Welcome to the Queen City Church Podcast. We're so excited that you decided to join us, and we wanted to personally welcome you. Thank you so much for listening in today. Our goal is that this message will encourage you and give you practical steps for a relationship with God that keep getting better and better. Enjoy the message. I am so stinking fired up to be back. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and warn you right now. I'm kind of emotional today, and uh, I've been marinating on this message for about five weeks now. And, uh, and, and God has really, really put something heavy on my heart, I think, for, for our church um, today and really for the next few weeks. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28. Is where we're going to hang out. If you don't have a Bible, like you, like you literally, you do, you do not have one, but you would like one. Uh, we have free Bibles available at that info area as well. And then we also have a very big Bible on this screen right behind me. Uh, so everything that I read from my Bible will be up there as well. So Matthew chapter 28. And today we are starting a brand new series. It's a three-week series. It's a little bit shorter. Um, but we're starting a three-week series that we're calling On Mission on mission. So let me set up this series with this passage of scripture from Matthew chapter four. And it says, Jesus was walking by the sea of Galilee and he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea for they were fishermen. Then he, Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you blank. And I intentionally left it blank just for the start of this conversation. And maybe you know what it says, but maybe you're here and you don't have a clue what it says. Now, and just imagine with me if you didn't know. If you didn't know the rest of that sentence, what would you think Jesus would say? What do you think Jesus would say when he would come to you and say, hey, follow me and I will make you, maybe you'd fill it with a good person. I'm going to make you act better. So you're going to be good. You're going to be holy. Like you're going to, you're going to do all the right things now. That's, you're not going to sin as much. I'm going to make you, maybe you think that he would fill that space with, I'm just going to make you really spiritual. And so you're going to pray all the time and you're going to read your Bible all the time and you're going to talk different. And I'm just going to make, and you're going to have to go to church all the time if you, if, if you follow me and maybe you would think that's what he would say. Or maybe you think, I'm just, you know what, follow me and I'm going to make you really serious. You're not going to be any fun anymore, especially on the weekends. You're not going to have any fun. Uh, there's, you're going to be no fun. You're just going to be bland, no fun. But that's not what he says. If you read this passage in Matthew chapter 4, he'll say, follow me and I will make you fishers of Men. See, there's another translation that says this, come and follow me and I will show you how to fish for people. See, get this. Jesus says that once you make the decision to follow him, you're on assignment. You have a mission. There's something that he's calling us all to do that if you're here, guys, if you're here and you've made that decision at some point in your life, he says, hey, once you make the decision to follow me, now you have an assignment to fish for people. In other words, that followers have a mission from Jesus himself to share your faith and to make a difference. And here's what I want you to get in this series, that if you are a follower of Jesus, you are on mission. You are. You are. And listen, some of you, maybe you don't believe that. Maybe you're here 
and you're just recently made this decision. We've had a lot of people make that decision since we started a church last September. And maybe you're like, I'm too new to my faith to make a difference. See, I don't have all the right answers. I don't know what to do. I'm like, I'm not qualified enough to make a difference. And some of you are here and maybe you're in the total opposite end of the spectrum. And you're like, I've been following Jesus for decades and my time to make a difference was a long time ago. But my expiration date has hit and I no longer can make a difference. And I'm telling you, I want you to know that if you are a follower of Jesus, you are on mission. Yeah, yeah, right here, you, you. You are, you are on mission. It's not just those who stand on stages and hold microphones. It's not just people that have certain personality types. It's not just when I go to grow track like I will today and I'll take the disc test and only certain people are the people that make a difference. No, it's not just a certain Enneagram number that make a difference. See, you don't understand. This is my number. This is how I am. To self-actualization. No, no. You are all made. It's not just for the charismatic, like very social butterflies, people that are extroverts. It's not, it's not just that. It's no, like if you are a follower of Jesus, you are on mission. And I don't know about you, but when I turn on the news and I see what's going on in this world, this world needs us to be on mission more than ever. More than ever, whenever you see what's going on in the world and all the things that are happening, and there's things that are heartbreaking, but here's what I know, that there's something inside of me that says, no, 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 no. God has called me to be a light in that darkness, not to run away from darkness, not to hide in a church, but to be a light in the darkness. That something inside of us should make our spine stiffen up and say, this is not right. We have to do something about this. By the way, that's why we started this church. We started this church whenever we started studying about this city and all the different things. And there's something that's like, no, there's something, no, no, we're on mission. There's an assignment. Enough is enough. And see, this series of the next few weeks is your official invitation to get in on the action, to get off the sidelines and get into the game. And by the way, there are no sidelines in Christianity that if you're on the team, you're in the game. So I don't know if you know that. You're in the game. You're in the game. And so, um, you know, we're called to make a difference in every single place that God has placed us to live our lives on mission. And another word for living our lives on mission, sharing your faith is this word that maybe you've heard it before, evangelism. Just by show of hands, how many of you have ever heard that word evangelism? Okay. Uh, yeah. Everybody. That's great. That's awesome. Thank you. We're tracking. This is good. But really that word evangelism is a pretty churchy word that can stir up a lot of like weird emotions and weird feelings. And because maybe, maybe it means something to you that doesn't mean to somebody else. But let me just break it down this way. It literally just means, evangelism just means sharing good news. That's it. It just means sharing good news. And I don't know if you know this, but the gospel, the message of Jesus is called the good news. And if, if, if you didn't know, 
The gospel is always good news. It is never bad news. Just for the fact that Jesus loved you and I so much that he sent his son to die for us and to pay for our sins and to bring our balance to zero and to wipe the slate clean. Just so, and by the way, that's something you and I could never do ourselves. And he did that just for the chance to have a relationship with you. That is some good news. That's good news. And simply evangelism is sharing that good news is sharing your faith. And Jesus, in Matthew chapter four, he uses this analogy and he says, it's like fishing for people. But what do you picture whenever a pastor stands up and he starts a series on on mission and he begins to talk about evangelism? What's the picture that you get in your mind? Because what I know is that it can picture a lot of different things. Maybe you picture like big crowds of people, maybe like Billy Graham speaking in front of a stadium full of people and sharing the good news of Jesus and thousands of people coming to know, like that's evangelism. Maybe you picture a televangelist on late night Christian TV and you picture a lot of bright suits and big hair and makeup that runs and you know, maybe that's what you picture. No, 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 that, that, that's evangelism. Or maybe you picture bullhorn guy, you know, <laughs> bullhorn guy, you know, with, with encouraging statements like that on a, the end is nigh. I don't even know what nigh is, to be honest. But maybe that's what you picture, some angry red-faced guy that's yelling at everybody, passing by in a public place, honestly, probably in a place where he was never invited, but still there, yelling and screaming, just such encouraging things like you're going to hell and repent, you sinner, and turn or burn. How many of you ever heard that one? So encouraging, just makes me. By the way, the kindness of the Lord leads people to repentance. And just, maybe that's what you picture when you think of evangelism. Or maybe you picture cold call sales. <laughs> just, okay guys, it's evangelism time, so I'm gonna pump you know, your hands full of tracks that say things like, just conversational starters, like, do you know where you would spend eternity if you were to die today? Just, just, you know, just gentle conversation starters, you know, <laughs> with pure strangers. That's, you know, and it's just going door to door, knocking on doors and having people and just having super awkward conversations. Maybe that's what you picture evangelism as. And by the way, I was thinking about this. The very first mission trip I ever went to, we actually did that. We went, knocked on doors, and tried to tell people about Jesus. Now, I did not have many interactions that looked like this whenever it was at, you know, just a man with a scorpion tattoo that was so happy to see everything that I was wanting to give them at the time. And it was just this peaceful, awesome conversation just with the stranger. It, almost all of them looked like this. It was more like interactions like that. <laughs> if I could get them to open the door, they'd barely like, oh, I don't even, just leave, leave. Nobody invited you to my house. So, <laughs> So this is what I started thinking about. If that's considered fishing for people, I feel like that's like throwing dynamite in the water. <laughs> now, could that actually get fish? Yeah, 
But I don't know if that's the most safe and efficient way to do these things. But I want you to think about the person that's most responsible for you knowing God. I want you to think about that one person that's made the biggest difference in your life, that because of them, now you know Jesus. I want you to think about that person and picture that person because I'm guessing they didn't look anything like that. I'm guessing it wasn't the bullhorn guy. I'm guessing it was somebody that you had a relationship with. I think it was maybe somebody that, that was loving to you, that was caring, that was kind, that was generous, that was consistent, that kept showing up. There was no bullhorn, no yelling, no tracks, no cold call sales, no turn or burn, but it was just somebody that had a relationship with you that cared about you. See, the person for me that's most responsible outside of my family, which my mom and my sister are here on the second row, outside of them was my youth pastor growing up. His name's Dave Morgan. Come on, how many of you are thankful for some youth pastors? Come on. I was a youth pastor for 12 years. I love student ministry. And uh, man, I, I, love, I love youth pastors. And um, my youth pastor made a huge impact on my life. He was the first person that made being a Christian attractive to me. Like just by watching how he lived and listening to what he said, I wanted to know God. And um, here's what I know. I don't think I would be here right now if it wasn't for him. I remember a very specific conversation that I had with Dave one day when I was 16 years old that impacted the rest of my life. He sat me down and he looked me in the eyes and he told me something that nobody up until that point that I could remember told me. He said, Brian, you are a leader. And I remember when he told me that, I was like, I am? I had never looked myself in the mirror and thought that. But something that day, what he said to me, what he spoke into my life, it changed the course of my life. And I don't believe that I would be here right now without that man and without his influence in my life. He made following Jesus so attractive. And instead of throwing dynamite in the water, he put a lure out there that was so attractive that made me just want to go towards it. And that's the type of fishing that I think Jesus is talking about in Matthew chapter 4. When he says, I want you to fish for people. I want you to reach people. I want you to share your faith, to share the good news, to live on mission, to make it so attractive. And that's what this series is all about. And I encourage you that over the next few weeks to make it a priority to be here. Because probably more than any series that we've done up until this point, the messages are really going to build off each other. In fact, the next two weeks, I'm going to tell you how. I'm gonna tell you how to live on mission. First, I'm gonna tell you just how you should live and what you should do, and then I'm gonna tell you what you should say. And so that's gonna be the next two weeks. But before we dive into the how, I think it's really important that we talk about the why, that we talk about why it's so important. In fact, that's the title of this message, is why is it so important? Why is it so important to live on mission? Why is it so important to live your life so intentional in a way to be able to share your faith and to do those things? Why is it so important? Because I've learned if we don't have that so rock solid in our heart, there's this principle 
that when we lose our why, we lose our way. That when we lose our why, that we lose, like, why is that so important? That we'll drift towards the wrong things and we'll drift away from the right things. It's so easy that when we lose our why, we lose our way. And so really my goal and my assignment over the next 17 minutes is to share with you why it is so important for you and I to live on mission. And here's the first reason, because it is fun. I don't know if you ever thought about that, but let me tell you, seeing people come to know Jesus is fun. Seeing people's lives completely changed is fun. Seeing marriages restored is fun. Seeing people healed is fun. Seeing God radically change somebody's life, that is so much fun. In fact, I don't know if there's a bigger thrill in all of Christianity than knowing that you played a role in helping somebody go to heaven. See, heaven getting bigger, that's a whole lot of fun. It truly is one of the most fulfilling things that you'll ever experience. And you'll never know until you try. You'll never know how truly fulfilling it is. In fact, that's what we're all searching for, is we're all searching for fulfillment. More than happiness, more than getting everything, more than the right job, there's a level of fulfillment that we could all reach whenever we're making a difference on planet Earth. And I truly believe it's one of the most fulfilling things that you could ever experience is living life on mission. And as your pastor, it is my job to not only teach you how to do it, but to make sure that you understand it's a whole lot of fun when you live life God's way in every single area. That he's not there to limit you, that really he's here to give you the best possible life that you could ever live. And he doesn't want all this stuff, like he wants everything for you. And so that it's so much fun. I'm robbing you of one of the greatest joys and deepest fulfillments you'll ever experience unless I make sure that you see that it is so much fun. It'd be like you had the cure for cancer. You know how much fun that would be? For you to go around, because here's what I know, a room this size, there's been a lot of people that have either been affected or are right now being affected by the reality of cancer. And just imagine if you could go and say, hey, here's the cure. And just, you could walk into any hospital at any time and say, hey guys, guess what? Here's the cure. Here's the cure. And just see families just burst out in eruption and celebration. There's so much joy because they're getting to experience the cure. Listen, here's what I want us to make sure that we understand. We have the cure to eternal death. The cure to having no hope. The cure for people having no, no purpose and no passion and no joy and no peace. Like, we have it. In fact, listen to this scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I love it. We could do a whole message on this, but I don't got time. But I'll just try to read two verses. It says this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. That means that if you made a follower, that if you've made a decision to follow Jesus, here's the reality of your life. It says this, that the old has gone and the new is here. The old you is gone. There's a brand new one. That's what's happened. And then he goes on to say this. After that's happened... All this is from God who reconciled us. And I underline those two words, reconciled us, because that literally means to bring the balance to zero. That means that there was a debt and now there's not. That means the balance is zero. 
and that who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world, bringing the balance to zero to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. In other words, that once we have our balance to zero, that means he gives us the ministry of helping bring other people's balance to zero. Do you understand how fun that is? It would be like if every single person that had debt right now in this room, I could be like, gone. It's done. So if you got credit card debt and maybe you weren't as disciplined and you really went on a shopping spree, it's gone. Nothing you did to deserve it is done. Balance is zero. That if you went and got a degree and it, and it is costing you a lot of money for like 50 years, gone. That debt, gone. You bought a car when you shouldn't have bought a car. You bought the car you probably shouldn't have bought. Gone. Zero. No debt. Do you understand how much fun that would be? It's like an Oprah moment. <laughs> yeah, your debt is gone, and your debt is gone, and your debt is gone. That'd be so, that's why Oprah does it, because it's so much fun. It is so much fun to sit there and say, hey, you don't owe anything anymore. Your debt is zero. And listen, we have that ability spiritually to be able to point people to something. More importantly, to point people to someone that can take away their debt. It's not you and I that take away the debt, but we can surely point them to somebody who can. And that's so much fun when you see that happen. So it's fun. Here's the second reason. Because it is necessary. Because it is necessary. Now, this is the most theological part of this message. Because living on mission is not a game. It's not optional. It is necessary. And here's why. And please hear this. Because heaven and hell are realities. That's why it's so necessary. Because heaven and hell are real places. And every single person with a pulse is really going to one of those places. And that demands for us to be on mission. And God has called us as his church to carry the message of Jesus to the world. Let me put it this way. We are God's plan A and there is no plan B. It's important that we are the plan A. In fact, in Romans chapter 10, in verse 13, it says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's a great promise. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them unless a guy like me preaches a message series on this without sending you out to go and do that? That is why the scriptures say, and he quotes the Old Testament book of Isaiah right here. How beautiful, how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. Come on, you got some pretty feet, Queen City Church. Why don't you look at your neighbor and say, you got purdy feet. No, don't do that. That's creepy. <laughs> That's real creepy. Don't do that. Don't do that. Now, here's the deal. There's some circles of Christianity 
And there's this thinking out there and there's a theology that's out there that God has already planned everything out. That he's already written a script and he's picked this certain group of people to go to heaven and he picked a whole lot of people to not. And there's nothing that you and I can do about it. And in my opinion, that couldn't be further from the truth. Because I read verses like this in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. It says that the Lord, he isn't really being slow about his promises. Some people think, no, he is being patient for your sake. He's waiting. And here's why. Because he does not want anyone to be destroyed. But he wants, everybody say that word with me, everyone, everyone to repent. See, why, why is it so important for us to live on mission? Because it's necessary. Because it's necessary. Here's the third reason. Because Jesus said to. And honestly, I could have just given you this reason alone and dropped the mic and walked away. I could have. Because when somebody pays for your sins and brings your balance to zero, you say, yes, sir, when they ask you to do something. And by the way, that's what it means to make Jesus the Lord of your life. That means he gets to call the shots, not you. That means what he wants is the thing that takes precedent over what you want. That means there is no more, I'll just think about it. If he says it, you do it. And Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 28, and it's the passage I had you turn to at the beginning. It's a critical passage for our church. It's called the Great Commission. And it's where Jesus says, you know what? There's a mission that I have for every single person. And he, they, I love that it's called co-mission because we get to join with him in that mission. And here's the mission where he says in Matthew chapter 28, therefore go, go. And here's what I've learned. A lot of Christians like to gather. They like to gather. Let's gather. Let's just gather. Let's circle up. Let's gather. Which that's important. But that's not what it says. Jesus says, no, gather, go, go and make disciples of all nations. Let me translate that into Middle Tennessee public school education. That's how I grew up. We didn't come in first in any list, okay? That means everybody. That means go and make disciples of everybody, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commandments I've given you and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of this age. And that is called the great commission, not the great suggestion. And let me tell you why that's such a big deal here at this church, because the mission of our church was written from those two verses. The mission of our church, why we exist. Because what I learned is that, yes, we are on mission, but I can't outrank the mission that Jesus already gave us. And so for us, why do we exist? Our mission, we exist to reach all people, all people. I don't care your skin color. I don't care how much money you made this year. I don't care what neighborhood you're from. I don't care what side of town you're on. I don't care if you're in Kentucky, Ohio, all people. We exist to reach all people. Even the person right now that you think would never be in church, them. 
We exist to reach all people and to teach them to have a relationship with God, not religion, not perfect church attendance, not a checklist of do's or don'ts, but a relationship with God. And what we believe is that when you have a real, authentic, dynamic relationship with God, it just gets better and better. It never goes in reverse. Year two is better than year one. Decade two is better than decade one. We exist to reach all people and teach them to have a relationship with God that gets better and better. But here's what I've learned. We are all prone to selfishness. We are all have this natural lean that when we're left our own devices, think it's about us. And I want you to hear this. If you call this place home and you're a Christian, we love you so much. We literally spend hours every single week praying and dreaming about how to love you well, how to serve you well, how to serve your family and to teach your kids to love Jesus and to do all the different things that we can do and figure out how to make groups so that we can have relationships and so that nobody ever feels alone. And we do things like Grow Track to help you figure out how God's designed you and so that you can go and live the purpose that God's created you. And we spend so much time doing that. And we are so thankful and grateful to be able to do that. But I want you to know that that's not why we primarily exist. We take it very seriously. And we're so thankful and humbled and grateful. But that's not why we exist. We are the church and we exist for the world. In fact, the church is the, one of the only organizations that exists for people that aren't its members. And we don't exist just to have a Christian club where we can come in and feel spiritual and sing some songs and get the goosebumps and sit there and maybe give some money and listen to the best messages that you have ever heard in your entire life kidding. No, seriously, no. <laughs> Listen, we, that's not why we do this. We, we don't do this just to be able to, you know, just come in and feel spiritual for one hour out of the week. No, we believe that God has called us to be on mission 24-7, 365, to make a difference in our city, in our neighborhoods, in our families, in our jobs, in our schools, in our friend groups, literally every single place that we go. Let me put it this way. We are not called to go to church. We are called to be the church. I just don't want to play church in here. I want to be the church out there. So why do we do it? Because Jesus said to and then here's the last reason. Because we remember our life before Jesus. Why do we live on mission? Because we remember our life before we met Jesus. All week long, I've been thinking about this specific text of scripture in Psalm 51 verse 12. I couldn't stop thinking about this this week. And it just says, restore to me the joy of your salvation. Restore to me. That means like, will you remind me? Will you remind me what it's like? It's amazing how far we drift from how much we needed Jesus the more we go down this path. But I can tell you this right now, 20 years in, I need Jesus today more than I ever have in my life. And I've asked God all week, will you restore to me that joy that I felt on June 25th, 1999? where my life was completely changed, 
Will you restore to me? Will you help me remember what it felt like to experience salvation, to experience my life completely changing? I know it's been 20 years, but God, will you restore to me that joy of my salvation? Let me ask you a question. Do you remember your life before Jesus? I do. I do. I remember what my life was like. I was empty. I was broken. I was miserable. I felt like I had no purpose. In fact, there was this, that was a season of my life where I felt like I was living two completely separate lives. I had the private me and the public me. And I worked so hard and was exhausted by trying to keep the two separated. And I remember being so angry because I couldn't fix myself. The picture that I get is that I was like in a muddy pit. And every single time that I tried to crawl my way out by trying harder, by being a better person, by just, you know what, I made a mistake, but this time it's gonna be different. And the more I did that, the more I tried to climb out of that muddy pit myself, it's like I was just digging myself deeper and deeper and deeper. And on June 25th, 1999, everything changed. Because on that day, instead of me trying, I looked up for the first time and I saw Jesus right there like this. And he helped me out and he did something that I could never do myself. And on that day, my life completely changed. And my life has never been the same since then, ever. My life has never, ever, ever been the same. So why do we live on mission? Why do we keep reaching people? Because God never stopped reaching out to us. And this verse, this wrecked me last service. I'll try to get through it this time. says, for Christ's love, for what he did for me. Don't let me forget. Don't let me forget June 25th, 1999. For Christ's love, it compels us. It moves me forward. It makes me do things. It may like it drives me. It compels us because we are convinced we're bought in heart and soul that one in his name is Jesus, that he died for all. So do we really need to reach more people? You better believe that we do. Absolutely. Aren't you content with everything that's happened? I mean, after all, the church is not even a year old. Aren't you content? I'll never be content. Come on. But isn't the church big enough? I liked it when it was really small and I could know everybody's name and I know that that stuff is coming. Listen, not as long as there's one person out of the 2.1 million people in the greater Cincinnati area that is lost and going to hell. As long as they don't have purpose, as long as they don't have freedom, as long as they're not living out the purpose that God has put on their life. I'm promising you, as long as there's, my heart is beating, I will not stop. God has called us to be on mission. That God has called us to be on mission. I, I can't help it. It's, it's not about being a big church. It's about making a big difference. Know that, know that. Know the heart, know the heart. It's really important that you know that. Because if you don't, you'll be tricked into thinking it's just about crowds. And I'm telling you, I've made a commitment in my life that I will not love crowds, I will love people. 
not about being a big church. It's about making a big difference. I can't help it. Christ's love, what he's done in my life, it compels me. He died for all. I believe that, that he died for every single person, that he died for the person that you work with, that he died for the person who will serve you lunch today. He died for the person who lives on your street. He died for the person that lives underneath you in the apartment complex that makes so much noise, that makes you wanna bang all the time with a broom. He died for that person that'll be panhandling today when you get off the exit. He died for the person who doesn't look like you, who doesn't believe like you, doesn't vote like you, doesn't act like you. He died for the person who grew up in a different part of the city than you. And he died for every single person who was so senselessly taken from this world last weekend in Dayton. And let me tell you what I can't stop thinking about all week. Is that he said he died for the person who pulled the trigger too. And all I kept thinking about this week, it's like, man, if I could have just met him, if I could have just hung out, I see things that are happening. It's like, man, if I could just meet some people, God, would you open up doors for me to connect with people that are hurting? Let me connect with people that are broken. Let me connect with people that are, when I read through the Bible, I see Jesus as a friend of sinners. Will you help me? God, will you bring people in my path? Because he died for all and I'm compelled. And as long as there's breath in my lungs and my heart is beating, I'm gonna live on mission. And I'm asking you church, that over the next few weeks as we dive into this, for you to prayerfully consider, you know what? I think God's called me to live on mission too. Because that's what followers do fish for people. We live on mission. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes. And I don't want to miss this moment. We do this every single week. And I don't want to rush it. And I don't want to go through it fast. But I want you to right there. Why don't you just ask God, God, what are you speaking to me right now? Ask him, what does my response need to be to this message? And I want to ask with every eye closed and every head bowed that if you're, you're here and you're saying, you know what? There's something inside of me that just got stirred up and I'm in. I want to live my life on mission. That I don't want to go through the motions. That the school that I'm at and the job that I'm at, that the neighborhood I live in, the family that I'm in, the friend circle that you've given me, the high school alumni that I'm still somehow connected to, that I wanna live on mission. And if that's you, will you just slip your hand up in the air? I just wanna know who's with me, that I'm living on mission everywhere I go, that's me. In the city I live in, the school that I go to, the job I'm on, I'm not there by accident, but God's called me to live on mission. That's awesome, you can put your hands down. 
And God, I just ask you right now, will you help us never be content? Will you put a burden on our heart for our city and for souls that as long as there's one person lost, one person desperate and hurting and lonely and far from you, let us do everything that we can do to reach as many people as we can. God, I pray in Jesus' name with everything that I have today, we let that value sink deep into our church. Help us to care. Help us to have compassion. God, I pray that you give us eyes to see people all this week the way that you see people. And God, will you help us live on mission? And maybe you're here and with every eye still closed and head bowed, maybe you're here and you don't have a relationship with God. Maybe you've never said yes to Jesus. Maybe you're like me and you've grown up in church, just kind of been halfway in, halfway out, but you've never fully given him your life. And we wanna give you the opportunity to make the most important decision of your life, the decision that I made on June 25th, 1999, the decision to follow Jesus. And we're not gonna point you out. We're not gonna make you come forward or embarrass you in any way. I just wanna lead you in a simple prayer, but it's powerful. It's simple, but it's powerful. And if you wanna be included today, you wanna say, hey, include me in that prayer. Today, I wanna get right with God. Today, I need a fresh start. Today, I wanna make the decision to follow Jesus. Before I make a difference, I need to make a decision to follow. And if you're here and that's you, I want you to boldly, when I count to three, put your hand in the air and say, include me in that prayer. I need to get right with God. I need to give him my life, whether it's for the first time or I'm coming back to him. One, two, three, if that's you and include me in that prayer, come on, raise your hand. That's you, yeah, I got you, I got you, I got you. Anybody else, anybody else? That's you, include me in that prayer. That's awesome, awesome, awesome. You can put your hands down in church. But why don't we pray something like this? Just pray this in your heart. Just say, say, Jesus, I need you. I'm so sorry that I've lived my life without you. Will you come live inside of me? Be with me, change me and make me brand new. I surrender my whole life to you, everything 100% and I choose to follow you. We thank you for the cross. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for grace. We thank you for mercy. We thank you for forgiveness. Thank you that you've made our balance zero so that we can help other people make our balance zero. We say yes to you and we say yes to living on mission. We love you and it's through the mighty, powerful, awesome name of Jesus that we pray and everybody said, Amen. Now, church, why don't you clap your hands and welcome the newest followers of Jesus. Come on. Come on. I said welcome the newest followers of Jesus. Thank you so much for joining us today. If this message has changed your perspective on God or life, feel free to email your story to info at queencitypeople.com. We'd love to celebrate the change happening in your life. We'd also love to pray for you. If you have any prayer requests, big or small, head over to queencitypeople.com slash prayer and fill out the form with as much detail as you'd like. For more information about Queen City Church's service times, location, or events, visit queencitypeople.com or follow us on social media platforms at queencitypeople.com.